Awesome. Good morning, everybody. Somebody asked me if I don't like long weekends as a pastor because people tend to be gone. I'm like, absolutely not. It's exactly the opposite. Here's what I know about, about people that come to church on a long weekend. You really want to be here. And when people really want to be here and then God shows up, cool things happen. So we're just going to dive into the Word of God and see what happens. Amen? Amen. All right. So this weekend is all about, mem- is all about remembering. On Memorial Day weekend, we pause to remember those who paid the ultimate price. And I'm conscious every single weekend of the fact that when I get an opportunity to stand up here and talk about Jesus, that I'm doing so standing on the shoulders of people who paid the ultimate price for freedom. I had the honor of sitting with a World War veteran this past weekend. And we talked about the horror of war and how God had kind of walked with him through some difficult memories. And he made this statement, which really stuck with me. He said, I try to forget the horror of war by remembering the band of brothers who helped get me through. I mean, when you think about forgetting and remembering, the truth is we tend to remember extremes, right? He was trying to to, to put aside the worst moments of his life, which happened in an armed conflict, and remembering some of the best relational moments of his life. And we do the same thing. We tend to remember the highs and the lows. We tend to remember the things that we did right and the things that we did wrong. We recall the best of us and really want to try and forget the worst of us. I'm in a bit of a nostalgic phase right now because my daughter McKenna in a couple of weeks is going to graduate from both high school and Whatcom Community College at exactly the same time. So I've been just looking back over our life together as my little girl. I mean, I'm remembering arguments that she won with me when she was six, you know. And now I understand the trajectory that she's on towards law school. So I, I recall moments when she was doing exceptionally well. I also recall moments when as a father... I just kind of missed it. I mean, I just didn't do a great job. I remember the prizes that she won and the heartbreak and the tears in moments when she felt like she'd lost something. And that's just kind of life, isn't it? It's made up of moments. We try to, some we try to remember because we, it, it helps encourage our heart. Others we try to forget because it, honestly it brings pain when moments when we just didn't quite get it. Weeks ago, many of you filled in a blank for me. We we were throwing out this idea of the series called God Is, and many of you texted in your answers to fill in the blank, God Is. And one answer came in that captured my attention because it was accompanied by a verse from Genesis, and the blank they filled in was this. They said, God is forgetful, with a question mark. And we had been working through the the first part of the series when we were throwing A.W. Tozer's words out there that what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so I thought to myself, we've got to answer that question mark because a lot of people believe that God is forgetful. So here's a popular false narrative, a false story about God that I run into all the time. And the narrative basically says this, God forgets people. That there are moments when, when God just kind of just lets people slip off the radar. They just disappear off the edge of the table. And some of us feel that way because something went wrong. And we just make an assumption that God must have somehow forgot about me. Now what's interesting about this one is that it's actually born in Scripture. And the person who, who wrote to me with that God is forgetful with the question mark thing included a Bible verse. The verse says this in Genesis 8 verse 1. But God remembered Noah. And all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. And we read that verse, and logic just kind of tells us that if God remembered Noah, then at some point, he must have forgotten about him, right? And so we get this picture of God sitting up in heaven, doing his God thing, and then one instant, he slaps himself in the forehead. It's just like, where did I put that little Noah dude? Like, 
I could have swore I had him a second ago, and I put him in that little floaty thing, which nobody understood what it was, and all that animals and the smell and all the rest of it, and now I cannot find that guy for the life of me. Where in the world did Noah go? Right? And all of a sudden, we just get this picture of God as this absent-minded professor who forgets about people in trouble. I mean, how do you forget about a guy that's bobbing around in the ocean with all of animal kind inside of a boat, right? There's other verses that kind of contribute to the idea. Genesis 19, 29. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham. And he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. I mean, we see God in heaven just like... Apparently, God just forgot about the father of the nation of Israel, right? You know, sorry, Abraham, my bad. You know, forgot about you for a second. Here's another one, Genesis 30, 22. Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. I mean, God forgot about a baby. And you're asking yourself the question, how in the world does that go together? And we just start making decisions about God. We start assigning things to him. That God is so busy up there in heaven, consumed with running the world, that how could he possibly remember what I'm going through? And we just slowly but suddenly, in the back of our brain, start believing a false narrative that God just forgets people. And then we make it personal. Why has God forgotten me? Why is it during that season of my life, it just seemed like he was gone? Did he honestly forget about me or not? Well, before we move on, okay, let me take all of the Hebrew that I learned in my undergrad degree, my graduate degree, and like put it down for like 90 seconds or less, okay? All right, here's what we need to know. The English language has over 100,000 words, okay? And many have double meanings, okay? If you open up your dictionary, the word set, S-E-T, has 464 definitions, okay? It's no wonder we were all so confused in English class, right? It's just like it just didn't make sense in our brain, okay? English has 100,000 words. Many have double meanings. Hebrew has 4,000 words. Not very many, okay? And Hebrew, that means that Hebrew contains single words with multiple or very broad meanings to them. So our English word remember focuses completely on our ability to be able to recall an idea or a thought, right? So it's all about us, whether or not I can actually get that into my brain. Our word forget in English is all about our inability to bring an idea forward or into our mind. And those of us who are getting older, we understand what it means to forget things, right? A lot, okay? And those of you who are younger, don't judge, your time is coming. All right, just stay with me, okay? The Hebrew verb zikar has a much broader meaning than simply remembering something or forgetting something. In fact, it has nothing to do with God misplacing a thought or forgetting about something because he lacks information. It's not the meaning at all. The Hebrew word to remember actually focuses on the action of the person who gave a thought towards someone. So it's not as if the person ever disappeared from their mind. It's that the person has actually brought them into the forefront of their mind and is now going to step in and help them. It's actually all about action. So God acted upon his thoughts towards Noah and Abraham and Rachel. I mean, think about it this way. God brought these people into his own mind. Not that they'd ever left but brought him to the forefront of his thinking and he intervened because his thoughts were towards the people that he loved. So whenever you see the word remembered in your Old Testament, I would actually suggest that there's a better English word for it and that would be the word intervened. God stepped in. Because the Bible tells us that God never forgets his children. And we struggle with that sometimes, don't we? 
We have these moments where God feels distant to us. I'm going to remind you of something. I've said it so many times over the last 11 years here at Christ the King. Just because God is silent does not mean he is absent. He's there. So we have to ask the question, is God forgetful? There's actually one part of his character in which the answer would be yes. He actually is forgetful. And this is the real story. Okay, so we've got the false story that God forgets people. Here's the real story. There's one specific area of our lives as believers in Jesus Christ where God intentionally forgets. The real story is this. God forgets sin. He forgets it. Hebrews 8 verse 12. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sin no more. Here's what God is saying. God's saying, I've got the supernatural ability to not recall your worst moment. That moment where you just blew it. I mean, you just blew it. God has the supernatural ability to remove that from his record. Even though our sin broke God's heart, he chooses to wipe out the record based on the price that Jesus paid to atone the worst of us. I mean, I just love these thoughts, right? God chooses to see us through the lens of the purity of Jesus instead of the soiled record of our brokenness. I mean, listen to God's words to the most rebellious nation that's ever lived 700 years before Jesus showed up. Isaiah 43, 25. God speaking. He says, I, even I, who blot out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. So do you remember how I talked about how remembering in Hebrew actually focused on the action of the person who was bringing that person to the forefront of their mind? This is what it means. It means God doesn't simply lose the memory of our worst moments. Instead, he consciously chooses to remove it by not giving us what we deserve. Let me put it in completely different language. I stand guilty before God because I'm a sinner. You don't believe me? Ask my wife, okay? I am a sinner, broken, not perfect, unbelievably imperfect. I stand before God guilty of the blood of his son. And God looks at me and has opportunity to balance the scales and direct all of his anger towards me because it was my sin that killed his kid. And even though all of those dynamics are happening, God looks at me and says, I choose not to prosecute that one. No prosecution. No prosecution. He sees, he chooses to see me as a child instead of a criminal. He chooses to to not just seal the document of my guilt, he's chosen to expunge the record. So he's not always coming up going, oh yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, forgave you? That's not him. It's not his character. God has chosen to remove that. You know, it's funny to me though. God has chosen and given opportunity for us to have that record expunged. And yet what's our reaction most of the time? We keep reminding God about sins that he forgave because we can't let them go. Anybody else done that before, right? We're the ones, we keep tapping Jesus on the shoulder going, yeah, well, remember that time when I did such and such and such and such? I mean, it's just an amazing thing inside of our humanity that pushes us in that direction. I mean, the truth is this. If the sin's been forgiven, it's gone. So here's our response. Forget the record and remember the grace. 
Forget the shame. Maintain the lesson. Like, don't forget what you learned through the whole thing. In fact, here's a clue for everybody. If you are constantly being reminded of your own past failures, you need to know that's not Jesus. That's the enemy of your soul who's also known as, as, as a liar who's trying to remind you. You know, here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to push back into your memory the idea that everybody else's sins can be given but not yours because yours are in a completely different category. And if Jesus was hearing that right now, he would go, that's just simply not the case. When I forgive, I forgive completely. I choose to remove that from your record. The Bible says that we have been forgiven. Scripture, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a statement of fact. If I repent and confess, God removes the record against my soul. So we can say it. Yes, absolutely. God is forgetful when it comes to my sin. But that doesn't always protect us from feeling forgotten, does it? I mean, we were really, really honest and had a moment here. Have you ever just felt forgotten? Like God just kind of, you just slipped off of his radar? I think you'd be in, in really, really good company. The real story is God forgets confessed sin. But what's the rest of the story? Right? Can you tell I grew up watching Paul, listening to Paul Harvey? Right? You know? And now the rest of the story, right? So we've got the false narrative. God forgets people. Then we've got the real story, which is God forgets sin. And now we've got the rest of the story, which is God forgets sin. But I have not been forgotten. I've not been forgotten. I've told this story before. So I'm a little kid growing up in Brandon, Manitoba, right? And I'm a Cub Scout growing up. You know what that is? You know, Cub Scouts, right? And we used to do this thing, same as our Awana program does, these little wooden block cars. And once a year, we would go to the Brandon Shoppers Mall, and they would set up this great big long track, and we'd bring our little cars and little padded boxes, you know, and, and put them on the track and race them down there, and we'd be there the whole night. And I showed up with my little, you know, my little cub car ready to race and all the rest of it, but my parents couldn't come to the race that night, so they told me, Grant, we're going to meet you at the mall at 8 o'clock when the mall closes, and we want you to be waiting at the door for us, and we'll just come and pick you up. Okay, so it's 8 o'clock, and I'm done, and I lost, and that was no fun, and so I'm dejected on top of everything, sitting there with my little failure of a car, right, and feel my pain? All right, so, and I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting for my parents to come, and they don't come, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting a little bit longer, and I'm kind of freaked out, and all of a sudden, it comes into my brain. My parents have forgotten me. The apple of the eye you know, on the male side of the Fishbook family, the heir of the great name of Fishbook, who, who no one else can carry on the name, has been forgotten at the mall in Brandon. Can you tell I'm still bitter? I mean, I mean how do you forget your kid? That's what I want to know. Some of you are like, I've done that, all right? So, I mean, God forgive your soul and put your kid in therapy early, okay, or they end up like me. So I'm completely freaked out because the mall security guy is just like, like, kid, you're going to have to go pretty soon. I'm like, I can't go. My parents forgot me. Like, you know, Ernie and Shirley Fishbuck from 58 Silver Birch Drive, Brandon, Manitoba, Canada, R7B1A9. They forgot their child. I'm still working it through. Can you tell? I mean, I'm frustrated. I'm just like, what in the world? And so I, I'm just thinking in my brain, I've been forgotten. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands, right? I'm going to walk home. I'm going to walk home across the frozen tundra of Brandon, Manitoba, where things go outside to die, okay? That's what I'm doing. I'm going out to die to become, I'm, I'm going to be, and I'm just thinking in my mind, they're going to have a memorial service, but Ernie and Shirley are not invited, right? They are dead to me. 
They do not get to come and look at my ice cube, all right, because that's not what good parents do. And so I start walking home across the frozen tundra, and I'm freaking out, and then a lady actually hears me crying. Apparently, I cried then too. So I'm, I'm, I'm walking home, and this lady comes out, and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, I am not okay. My parents forgot me. They forgot me. They left me at the mall. She's like, well, come in, sweetie. I'm just like, you know, you'll adopt me, right? I, I need a new mommy anyway. So, and I'm, but I'm halfway up the walk, and then I'm just like stranger danger, right? Like, what am I going to do now? Like, should I go inside the house? Should I not go inside of the house? She's like, come inside. I'm going to look after you. It's going to be fine. And I'm just freaking out. And, and then my parents show up, right? And I'm both relieved and angry. Like, how do you forget your kid? You forgot me. I have chosen to remove from my, my memory the fact that I was waiting at the wrong door of the mall, but that doesn't matter, okay? <laughs> Stick with my story. I'm the angry one. I'm the victim, all right? Stick with me, okay? And I was angry until I saw the response of my parents. I thought they did not care. How could you forget about me? I needed you, and you didn't show. That's what I thought until I saw their response when I walked out the door. I thought they'd just been hanging out, doing whatever they wanted to. You know what they were doing? Searching for me. Driving everywhere, calling everywhere, going to the mall, probably freaking out some mall cop. I mean, just like... There was a small child. We've lost him. We're trying to find him. And I remember the feeling inside of me when I realized that I was misinformed about my parents' response to my being lost. They were looking for me. So if you're one of those people who, like me, has walked away from God, you're doing your own thing. Because you're absolutely convinced when I needed God, he didn't show up in the way that I wanted to. So therefore, I get to go and live my own life. I need to inform you of something. The Bible tells a story of a young man known as a prodigal who ran away from God, left his father, left his family. And the father's response was not to say, well, then find him. You can go and do whatever you want to. And the Bible tells us the story of a dad who paced every day outside of the flap of his tent, studying the horizon, just hoping and praying that that would be the day when that kid came to his senses and came back home. And when that kid finally broke the horizon and started walking towards the father, the father lost all of his dignity and didn't give a flying rip about what anybody thought. And he actually sprinted towards his son, reestablished him in the family, and threw him off party. That's what God does with people who run. Maybe you felt that God forgot you. Well, we made a promise to ourselves all through this series that we were going to let God speak for himself. So I'd love to give three quick God moments to anyone in the room who's ever felt like God has just let you slip off of his radar. Because scripture may have some things to say to you that, that you don't even know. Here's the first one. kind of freaks me out. The Bible says that God remembers my conversation. Let me tell you what that means. It means the words that I whisper when nobody else can hear, when I'm exhausted at the end of my rope, when I don't know where to turn, when I'm talking to my pillow, and silence is my confidant. In those moments, God is there. Listen to the words of the prophet Malachi, chapter 3. 
The Bible says, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. When it comes to those who love him, when we have those conversations, sometimes they're heartbreaking, sometimes they're beautiful, but in those conversations, God eavesdrops. He listens in because he loves every word. Scripture says that, that he writes a scroll of remembrance. For those of us who are like borderline OCD, I love the fact that God loves me so much that every time we have a conversation, God takes notes. I love that. It's beautiful. The scripture says that God eavesdrops. He takes notes. He promises to act. He's moved with compassion towards those who love him. He treasures the conversation and he promises somehow, some way, justice will be served. Even when you can't figure out how it's going to work. I promise you, I'm going to balance this out for you. When I first read that, the fact that God remembers all of the conversations, it kind of freaked me out because I've had some conversations with God that I would rather forget. Maybe you've been there, right? Every time I promised to change, but didn't. Every time I tried to broker a deal, Maybe you've done this too, right? God, I promise you, if you get me out of this situation, I promise you, I will never, ever, ever do this again. I'd ask for a show of hands, but I don't want to make you all lie. So anyway, right? A record of the conversations. What about the beautiful conversations when we poured out our heart and did our best on a human level to understand what about the time when God was just a convenient enemy and we just ranted and railed against him and said things that we shouldn't have under all of those conversations? I want you to remember something about them. God's forgetful. He chooses to remove that. While at the same time, God hears and takes notes and acts and understands and treasures and promises that he'll balance things. So God remembers every conversation. Secondly, God remembers our pain. Listen to Psalm 56, verse 8. I love this verse. You keep track of all of my sorrows. You've collected all of my tears in a bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. God meticulously knows every piece of pain that you've ever walked through. God knows pain is a great teacher. In fact, I heard a great philosopher say one time, pain is what reminds us that we're alive. And somehow we forget that, right? I think being in pain sometimes is a great reminder of how beautiful it is when you're not in pain. And pain can either drive us away from God or it can drive us into God. Did you know there is a place on the face of this earth that is completely devoid of pain? Some of you are like, tell me where it is and I will buy a ticket today. I'm not sure you'd want to go there. The only place on the face of the earth that's completely devoid of pain is a leper colony. Leprosy robs the human body with the ability to be able to feel pain. It deadens the nerves and the fingers, the hands, the eyes, the feet. 
so that people can't feel pain. Some of you still aren't convinced. You're like, that actually sounds pretty good with me. Did you know that it's pain that keeps you from breaking your thumb every time you pick up a moth handle? Pain is what says, oh, that's enough pressure. You don't need to keep squeezing. If you do, you're going to snap the bone in your thumb. Pain is what reminds you when you're reaching towards a hot stove element and are about to burn your hand right through the skin, up into the bone. Pain is what says, whoa, 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 don't, 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 don't do that. It's true. Pain is a gift that nobody wants, but God doesn't ignore the fact that it exists. In fact, he understands because Jesus endured pain. And he intervenes. He says, I understand when you're hurting. And that's why he says, my grace is sufficient for you. I know it hurts, but it can't. I love the fact this verse says tears don't go unnoticed. I mean, I love that, that God collects them in a bottle. I have a big bottle in heaven, you know? It's just the way it works. If you're like, what? Just like hang around long enough, you'll find out I leak. That's the way it works, okay? Every hurt, every tear has been noted in God's heart. We're not forgotten in our pain. We're comforted and sustained in exactly the same way that Jesus was. Let's keep going. God remembers every conversation. God remembers our pain. And finally, God remembers his promises. You know, we're coming full circle here, right? We started off with a confusing verse from the book of Genesis. It said, God remembered Noah. And then we find out that it doesn't mean God forgot Noah. But the fact that Noah was in the forefront of his mind and God decided to act on his behalf. Well, why was Noah not forgotten? Let me give you the single reason. Genesis 9.15. Because God made a promise. Genesis 9.15. I will remember my covenant. God made a promise. He made a covenant with Noah. I'm never going to wipe it out like I did right now. Even though man was disobedient, it just frustrates me when I hear people read the story of Noah and they do all of the focus on the guy and they forget all of the emphasis on the God who keeps saying, it breaks my heart that mankind is doing evil continually to each other to the point where his heart is absolutely devastated and shattered. The story of Noah is not a story of genocide. It's actually a love story. It's a story of deliverance that comes after God's heart's broken by repeated disregard of humankind. And the theme keeps showing up over and over and over again. God willfully forgets sin, but never forgets his children. Willfully forgets sin, but never forgets his children. For some of you, this is the, the idea that you need to walk out of here with today, capturing your mind and captured in your heart that God has not forgotten you. He's not forgotten you. He listens to every conversation. He understands every piece of pain. And he has made promises that he will never leave you, never forsake you. So the question then becomes, well, well Grant, if it doesn't feel right, then why do I feel so far away? I got a question for you. If there's only one immovable God and there's distance between he and his child, who moves? And I'd say the same thing to you that Jesus would have said to the prodigal son. Go home. Go home. 
I love David because he's so human. David felt forgotten a lot. If you don't believe me, you should read his songs. He also struggled with the fact that his sin had driven a wedge between he and God. He understood that up close and personal. And today I want to wrap up. I'm going to read this psalm over you because it's David standing in the tension between, I know my sins have been forgiven, but there are times when I feel forgotten. And he's singing a song to God and these are the lyrics that come pouring out of his soul. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, I question, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings, that you would actually care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, flocks and herds and animals of the wild and the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. David is asking a question. God, why in the world do you care about people? And I would be so bold today as to answer on God's behalf. Because he can't help himself. It's not in his character to forget his children. It's in his character to forget their sin. It's in his character to whisper to those who feel forgotten. You have not slipped off my radar. You have not been misplaced. Just like I tracked Noah on an ocean of pain. I am tracking with you. I hear every conversation. I know your pain. And I will live up to every promise. Because I am God. And that's who God is. Let's pray. God, thank you for this reminder. Lord, I know I've followed you for a long time, but I need to be reminded of this. Jesus, thank you for tapping us all on the shoulder on this Memorial Day weekend, a weekend that's all about remembering. And I thank you that you're whispering to us. I remember you. So, Father, we give you praise today as the God has painted a message in the sky that we have not been forgotten, but that our sin has been removed as far as the east is from the west. May we walk in the power of that truth today. In Jesus' name, and the remembered children of God who have not been forsaken, agreed with all of their hearts and said, Amen.